All right. Again, thank you all for coming. It's very nice of you to come out in this heat, sweltering heat of Phoenix. <laughs> Reminds me very much of Vrindavan uh, in the southern land, or Govardhan. Great. Actually, in some ways, it's very nice. The heat is very cleansing. It's like we were talking earlier today. It's easier to operate in this heat than it is in the cold. I would rather have the heat than the cold. So today we're going to talk about um, one of my favorite parts of Bhagavad Gita, Karma Yoga. This is chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 29. Very interesting verse. I'll read the Sanskrit and then the translation and then purport. Speak a little bit and then I want your questions, please, and comments. Bhuktaram Jagyanapasyam Sarvalokam Keshvam Surigam Sarvabhutanam Yatvamam Shantam Vrikshati What is Krishna saying? Krishna says, A person in full consciousness of me, knowing me to be the ultimate beneficiary of all sacrifices and austerities, the supreme lord of all planets and demigods, and the benefactor and well-wisher of all living entities attains peace from the pangs of material miseries. So this is the transcendental peace formula. So many people are looking for peace. We talk about there's not enough peace in the world. We want peace. Why do we want peace? Because without peace there can be no happiness. If one is agitated by the pangs of material existence, then we fight and fight and fight to be happy. And we try so many different avenues to obtain happiness. But alas, there's no happiness, you see, without peace. So first, we must attain shanti. Shanti means peace. Okay? So, Srila Prabhupada says in the purport, the conditioned souls within the clutches of illusory energy are all anxious to attain peace in the material world. But they do not know the formula for peace, which is explained in this part of Bhagavad Gita. The greatest peace formula is simply this, for Krishna is the beneficiary of all human activities. Men should offer everything to the transcendental service of the Lord, because He is the proprietor of all planets and the demigods therein. No one is greater than He. He is greater than the greatest of the demigods. Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma. In the Vedas, the Shvetasvari Upanishad 6-7, the Lord is described as Tamishvara Paramam Maheshvara. Maheshvara, the great ruler. Maheshvara is the greatest. He's the greatest of the great. Under the spell of illusion, living entities are trying to be lords of all they survey. But actually, they are dominated by the material energy of the Lord. The Lord is the master of material nature, and the conditioned souls are subject to the stringent rules of material nature. Unless one understands these bare facts, it is not possible to achieve peace in the world, either individually or collectively. Srila Prabhupada is pointing out, let me repeat that, that unless we understand this, then we cannot have peace. 
Alright, I'll get back to that and we'll explain that in, in, in more depth. Lord Krishna is the supreme predominator and all uh, and all living entities, including the great demigods, are his subordinates. One can attain perfect peace only in complete Krishna consciousness. This fifth chapter is a practical explanation of Krishna consciousness, generally known as karma yoga. Who knows what karma yoga is? What is karma yoga? Service. 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 I'm doing some service and I receive some benefit. Well, so, <clears throat> the, question of, of, the question of mental speculation is how karma yoga can give liberation is answered herewith. To work in Krishna consciousness is to work with the complete knowledge of the Lord as the predominant. Such work is not different from transcendental knowledge. Direct Krishna consciousness is bhakti yoga. And Jnana Yoga is the path leading to Bhakti Yoga. Jnana Yoga is accumulating knowledge, studying. Maybe we try this path, and maybe we try that path. You see? So we accumulate knowledge because I want to know which path is good for me. You see? So that's the process of Jnana, Jnana Yoga. I'm trying, I'm accumulating knowledge to make my decision. Jnana Yoga will lead you to bhakti yoga. You see? Bhakti yoga is loving devotional service. See? Bhakti yoga is the yoga of love. So as we try this path and that path, we realize that what's missing in my life, I may have plenty of money, I may have plenty of fame, huh? but I don't have enough love. Everyone feels they can always use more love in the material world. We feel, many people feel completely unloved. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that? You meet lots of people, they feel unloved. Or underloved. They want more. The reason why is because that's what we are. We're creatures of love. That's what we do. We love. And some people say, well, but I want to be loved. Okay, if you want to be loved, you must love. Where should we send our love if we want to be loved? To Krishna. It's like watering the root of a tree. If you pour water on the root of the tree, all the twigs and branches get the benefit. See? So if we direct our love to Krishna, the Supreme Lord, that all living entities get the benefit of that love and we learn how to be a proper lover. We learn how to love in reality. You see? Because we learn to love Krishna unconditionally. We're trying to equal the love to Krishna that he gives us. Krishna is always loving us. So when someone feels unloved or underloved, they're not conscious of God. Because God is always love. God is the supreme lover. No one can equal his love. And he is always loves. It's never his love has never ceased for one second. But we have separated ourselves from God and from his love. And we're searching for love somewhere else on our own. Therefore, we're trying this path and that path. 
And Krishna is saying, if I know what you want, just come. Krishna is always holding his hand up. Here, take my hand. You see, that's Krishna. He's always saying that. So, <clears throat> a pure soul is the eternal servant of God as his fragmental part and parcel. He comes into contact with Maya, illusion, due to the desire to lord it over Maya. And that is the cause of his many sufferings. As long as he is in contact with matter, he has to ex execute work in terms of material necessities. Krishna consciousness, however, brings one into spiritual life even while one is within the jurisdiction of matter. For it is, it is the arousing of spiritual existence by practice in the material world. The more one is advanced, the more one is free from the pleasures of man. The Lord is not partial toward anyone. Everything depends on one's practical performance of duties in Krishna consciousness, which helps one control the senses in every respect and conquer the influence of desire and anger. It's like we were talking earlier today. You see, uh, the devotee of Krishna offers everything to Krishna, even his sense gratification. Our gratification. Some people think to practice yoga, I have to withdraw my senses. I have to go to a secluded place and not experience anything, any gratification. But the bhakti yogi. He offers everything to Krishna, you see. So, what happens? He's enjoying like everything. It's like we're enjoying this beautiful sound that we're chanting and singing. We're enjoying the beautiful vision of the deities. We look at, we look at the deities, it's always beautiful, it's attractive to the eye. The smell of the flowers and the incense. You see, the taste of the prasada that we offer to Krishna. Everything that we experience is, is, has been offered to Krishna, you see. So, it's not that we grab it for ourselves. First, we offer it to Krishna, but then we get the benefit of it. Krishna says, thank you so much for this wonderful offering you just made. And now here, enjoy it. Isn't he kind? Krishna's not a miser. It's not like you offer to Krishna. He says, oh, thank you very much. Give me more. And you, bring me more. Hop to it. He's not like that. Krishna says, oh, thank you. What a wonderful flower. Ah, here, you enjoy it. You see? The offering is always shared. He doesn't afford it. He doesn't have to. Not that we're expecting it. We're not making the demand that I'm going to give you some flower and I want you to give it back to me. No, we want it. We're, we're making it an offering to Krishna. Please accept. And Krishna says, thank you so much. And then he enjoys it. But he, he doesn't need a flower. Krishna has no need for a flower. He has no need for our offerings. But what he wants is your love for the offering. You're my Lord, take this. Krishna says, oh, thank you so much. Oh, it's so wonderful. He accepts the love that accompanies the offering. And then he gives the offering. Here, please, enjoy it. And really, Krishna becomes the offering. When you offer something to Krishna, he accepts it, he becomes the offering. So the flower, 
constantly cast the flower around us, you know? That's Krishna. The prasadam that we eat, that's Krishna. Krishna becomes the offering. He accepts it and becomes the offering. Therefore, the offering becomes transcendentalized. It becomes Krishna Okay? So I'm going to finish the purpose here. The Eightfold Yoga Mysticism is automatically practiced in Krishna Consciousness because the ultimate purpose is served. There is a gradual process of eleva elevation in the practice of Yam, Niyam, Asana, Pranayam, Pratyahara, Dharana, Jnana, and Samadhi. Who's familiar with these terms? Yam, Yama. We hear people talk about that. Sometimes uh, people uh, in the yoga uh, community will talk about yama. Yama means becoming basically a decent person. First step, yama. Clean your life up. Become a decent person. Neon. Uh, show that love to your fellow man. Don't just be good. Don't share it with your fellow man. Asana. How to sit properly. You see? Pranayama. <coughs> uh, how to breathe properly. And so on. There's yoga processes that teach you step by step by step. Where is this taking me? You may wonder. Eight processes of yoga, they're taking you to the topmost yoga. Bhakti yoga. Learning how to love how to experience love, which makes you perfectly happy, you see. Love gives you peace. When you attain love of Krishna, you are peaceful and all loving. And you don't discriminate on who you share your love with. All living entities. All living entities. And at the end, samadhi. Samadhi, bhakti yoga. Samadhi needs to be fixed, offering everything to Krishna. Everything. And that way, everything reminds you of Krishna. If you're thirsty and you say, may I have some water, and someone brings you water, you say, oh, I don't So therefore, my thirst is reminding me of Krishna. Isn't it like that? I'm thirsty, someone brings you water. The water makes me think of Krishna. Krishna says, I am the taste of water. You see? So you quench your thirst. You offer it to Krishna, and you quench your thirst with what? With Krishna. You see? In that way, you're fixed in samadhi. Everything reminds you of Krishna. Everything is Krishna's mercy. Everything. But these only preface the perfection of devotional service which alone can award peace in human being. It is the highest perfection of life. Thus in the Bhaktivedanta purports of the fifth chapter of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita, the matter is harmony over or action in Krishna consciousness. So, what is Krishna saying? Bhokta-ram-yajya-tapasana. Bhokta-ram-yajya-tapasana means that 
I am the ultimate beneficiary of all of your offerings, all of your tapasya, all of your, uh, all the things that you do to receive something back. Okay? Tapasya. I perform some austerity and I want something. Krishna says, I'm the ultimate benefit, beneficiary. I receive all offerings. Even if you make some offering to uh, the demigod, you may make an offering to the demigod. Can he keep it? Does it stop there? If you make an offering to Lord Shiva, Lord Shiva passes it on to Krishna. It's kind of like, I like this uh, analogy. Let's say that you check into a hotel. All right? You're traveling and you check into a hotel. And you walk up to the front desk and there's a nice young man or a nice young lady there. And you say, I'd like a room for the night. And they say, okay, very good. That will be, what, $70, 100 something like that. That would $100. All right, very good. So you give her or him $100 and they give you the keys to the room. Your room number is number 108. So you go into your room. What happens with that hundred dollars? They don't put it in their pocket. They put it in the cash register and the owner of the hotel gets that money. And it goes into his account. If they kept the money, that would be stealing. They could go to jail. See what I mean? So it's just like that. When you make an offering to the demigod, the demigod doesn't keep it, nor can the demigod supply your desire without Krishna. Everything comes from Krishna. Everything is emanating from Krishna. And Krishna is the recipient of all offerings. I'm, I'm the presumptive, I'm the king of all planets and of all the demigods. I'm the chief above all the demigods and all the other living entities. So Krishna is saying, I'm the recipient of all your offerings. I'm the chief of all living entities. Suri Sarva Bhutana. Suri, I am the best friend of all living entities. Not one of your best. I'm the best friend of all living entities. Krishna says, I am your best friend. Okay? So I'm your best friend. I'm the chief of all the demigods. I'm the recipient of all of all offerings. Get from Amshantam Richati. Just knowing this will free you from the pains of material existence. Just knowing this, you see, just knowing Krishna is a recipient. He's my best friend. He's the chief amongst all of us. We should meditate on that and live our lives in such a way that we're always thinking like that. You see. Whatever offering I'm making, let me make it to Krishna. He is the recipient. You see? Anything that I'm getting is Krishna's mercy. What about, what about bad stuff? 
when bad things happen, is that Krishna's mercy too? Yes. It's just like when the father goes to punish the child for being naughty. And we give him a little bat, a little spank. No, no, don't do like that. Isn't that the father's mercy? The child did something wrong? No, no, that's not right. Don't do it. Yes, Father, yes. You see? So, this, so when, when we get the, re, the reaction of our actions, whether it be a good reaction from something good we did or a bad reaction from something bad we did, this is Krishna's mercy. So we should always think of Krishna. The devotee is thinking, when I get something bad that happens to me, I'm just glad I don't I didn't get everything I deserve. It, it should have been worse. You see? And when the devotee gets something really, really wonderful, he thinks, oh my Lord, I don't deserve this. this you're being so kind. You're so kind to me. You know? So in that way, we're developing our loving relationship with Krishna. And all the living entities. Everybody. You see? We want to learn to love Krishna. And as we do, we'll learn to love everybody. So if there's any questions, I'll want to continue. But if you have any questions or comments, does anybody have a question, comment? Everyone understands? Krishna is in Krishna is in complete control. Sarva Lokamahishma, Maha Ishma, who is the, the supreme control. So then why should we not surrender to Krishna? We should surrender to God. He's in charge. Did you have a question, Jeremy? When somebody becomes a devotee, they have karmic reactions coming in their lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Out of Krishna's kindness and mercy, Krishna wants the devotee, when we approach him, he wants to make it, he wants to make the purification process as quickly, as quick and as graceful as possible. You see? Because when the living entity finally turns to God, and says, my dear Lord, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. Krishna says, oh, this is really sweet. This is really nice. Krishna says, you don't know how long I've been waiting to hear you say that. Millions and millions of births, maybe billions and millions of years I've been waiting to hear you. I've been waiting for you to turn to me. So you have all this karma coming that you've accumulated from your bad actions and your good actions. Good karma, bad karma, it's all binding to this material world. So I'm going to reduce that down to almost nothing. You may have to suffer a little bit for your bad behavior, but pennies on the dollar. 
you see? It's reduced. It's like a karma saying. <laughs> you see? Krishna says, I don't want you to suffer. Now that you've come to me, I want to share this love that we haven't shared for so long. You see? So, in order to take obstacles away from the aspiring devotee, Krishna will reduce the karma. Practically do nothing. You see? And that way we can, there aren't any obstacles in our path to um, associate with Krishna and loving him. Loving devotional movement. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So, and someone may say, well, it sounds a little uh, selfish for me to go to Krishna and offer devotional service and just, just to get my, my sins reduced. Is that a little selfish? It is. But it's all right. Krishna says there are uh, four kinds of pious men that approach me. Some of them just want money. You can approach Krishna wanting money. Because Krishna is rich. We all know God is rich. He owns everything. So we may think, wow, you've got lots of money. I'm going to approach you and render some service. Krishna says that's pious. Some people are desperate. They have nowhere else to turn. So I'm going to approach God for help. My dear Lord, I have no, nowhere else to go. Please help me. You see? Some are just inquisitive. They're just curious. I'm not really looking to fall in love with you, my dear Lord. I'm, I'm just curious. I want to find out more about you. And some people are actually looking for the absolute truth. They're looking for God. Krishna says they're all four, pious. And ultimately, all of them will achieve love of God. So it doesn't matter how you approach it. You can say, I'm going to approach Krishna to get my, my bad karma off. I want him to erase my bad karma. And Krishna says, that's good. So you offer loving devotional service, I'm erasing your karma. In the meantime, you end up falling in love with Krishna. That's wonderful, you see. That's wonderful. So, yes, ma'am. How do we 
get rid of our Americans? But that's natural for you to feel that way. You're becoming humble. The devotee never feels like that. My service is first class. The devotee doesn't think like that. I am serving Krishna so nicely. The devotee's always thinking, my Lord, I'm trying my best to serve you, but it's falling short of what I want to offer to you. I want to give you so much more. Please help me. Please help me to serve you more. You see? Krishna may be thinking, oh, your service is so wonderful. But the devotee is thinking, my dearly, my dear beloved, I want to make you happy. Even though Krishna is ecstatic from your service. You see? As far as the anarchas, the unwanted things, these things will fade as you perform pure loving devotional service work up to pure loving devotional service and chant Hare Krishna. The chanting of Hare Krishna will cleanse the mind and it also reduces the subtle body. The mind, intelligence, and false egos start to be dissolved. That means my mindset, my mindset is thinking that uh, I am so important I'm more important than everyone else. I'm doing such great service. My service is, is so wonderful. Why, doesn't pe why don't people recognize my service? How come I don't get enough recognition? You see? Intelligence. Intelligence means this material accumulation of intelligence that may impede us from being better devotees. It may, it may get in the way. You know, I may learn how to uh, how to do some nonsense that takes my concentration away from serving Krishna. That's my intellectual fund that I have, my fund of knowledge. And a false ego. False ego means I'm identifying with this body. I'm thinking I am a human being, but I'm 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 an eternal living entity. I'm the soul. I'm not the body. I'm not a human being, I'm an eternal living entity. I'm an eternal servant of Krishna. And if we think of ourselves as anything other than an eternal servant of God, that's false ego. You're wrong. So, if I go through life thinking that I am this body, then all of my decisions that I'll make based on that are wrong. It's like if you start out assuming that 2 plus 2 is 3. All of your, your mechanical calculations will be wrong. You see? Wrongly, it's, it's, it's an untruth. It doesn't exist. If you lead a life based on thinking that you are the body, you've wasted the life. You've wasted it. It's like, what if you have a human body, but you think you're a dog, and you run around barking? You've wasted the human life. You see? You've wasted it. It was wrong. It's as if it never even existed. Useless. Useless life. You, you might make some people laugh, 
because you're walking around thinking you're a dog. It's just as wrong to walk around thinking you're a human. It's just as wrong. Both are wrong. You are the living entity that's inhabiting this body, but you're not the body. You're not your shirt. You're not your car. You inhabit your car. You're not your house. You see? None of these things have anything to do with you. You're using them right now for gratification in some way. You can use them just as easily to serve God. When you do that, now your life is real. Now everything you do is real. Otherwise, it's all fictitious. You're living a fantasy life. Does that make any sense? The artist will fade. We have to have complete faith that our unwanted things will go away. Yours probably are already gone. But you're humble. You're trying to improve. You know, it's like it's like a, a barber. You know, I don't know, do they still shave? Does the barber still shave with a straight red razor? And the barber's always sharpening the blade. It never gets sharp enough for him. He's always shaved a little bit. You see? He's a perfectionist. You may think, oh, it's incredibly sharp. Not to him. To him, it's got to be perfect. So the devotee of Krishna sees his service. I always want my service to be perfect, so I'm trying to make it better. You may think, oh, look at it. Look at the service that he does. It's perfection. And he's thinking, oh no, I have just started. So the bar that you have for yourself may be very, very high. You see what I mean? You'll make demands on yourself that nobody else can make. Nobody else can get away with putting the demands on you that you'll put on yourself when serving Krishna. Because you want it's out of love. You want it to be totally sweet. It's like when you cook for Krishna, you want it to be so wonderfully tasteful. You see? It's never good enough. You ever notice that about a cook? Cooks, when they, when they cook, it's never, everyone else may eat, it's, oh, this is fantastic. They may say, I needed a little bit more salt. You may think, oh, no, this is delicious. They could have used a little bit more gear. Little gear, little gear, little more gear, I say. And you say, no, it's perfect. So, when we're making our offering of love, it may never be perfect to us. It'll seem perfect to everyone else. So it's good that you see. We don't see your likeness. We don't see it. We see you as a pure devotee. And you're thinking, oh, I have so far to go. That's perfection. That's perfection. So, uh, is, it probably, is it time for us to wrap it up? Time for Prasadam? Who would like Prasadam? Do you have any announcements, Mataji? Alright, thank you all so much. Thank you.